give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Act, NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Tulliba, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert. Garbage time again. Albert, what's cracking? What's going on? Oh, sorry. I don't know why my my voice just broke. But uh, what's going on, everybody? We're ready to go. I'm excited. We're ju- this, this is the second half of a doubleheader. So we're really putting in some heavy work today. Yeah, man. Uh, you got to keep those vocal cords lubricated. Get, you know, hydrate up. Make sure, uh, you know, you don't lose that voice of yours. All right. So today we are going to... Um, do a, a special episode. We've done this, I believe, one time before. And uh, I love this episode because this was kind of the initial idea behind creating the draft deck. We recently released uh, the top 50 draft rankings. Uh, so the as we do with each prospect on the draft deck podcast, you know, we are doing on on the no ceilings substack. Um, our top 50 version where we take the the monthly updates from all of the consensus boards and we kind of look at how the prospects are moving up and down the boards monthly. So whereas, you know, we don't get that kind of picture doing the, these prospects um, on a consistent basis because we might cover a prospect early in the process and not really, you know, talk about them uh, and their their draft stock until the end in the first season of the podcast. Now, be, due to you know launching the Substack, we can actually follow that. So that's another reason to actually subscribe for free to the Substack. So we're going to talk about some risers and some guys that have dropped down the board. And the February edition of of this um, these draft rankings has has been the most chaotic, I think, of all of the the draft rankings so far we've seen so many new faces guys are are really moving up some guys are solidifying and guys are starting to fall and the fall doesn't necessarily look like it's going to stop anytime soon for some of these guys so uh let's start with the risers first and the the biggest riser that we've seen because in january he was not on the top 40, but he landed at number 25, I believe. That's Notre Dame's Blake Wesley. So Blake Wesley is a guy that has been really hot on draft Twitter. Um, he's he's a guy that is probably going to be the, the first Notre Dame NBA player since Jerry and Grant and uh, what a joy that was to watch on my fucking bulls. And I'm sure he wasn't that much more fun to watch on your Knicks, Albert. Um, nope. But he, Blake Wesley is kind of like this ball handling modern day, like tall six, five, six, six wing with these long arms and he's kind of shifty and he can create space. And he's just like this bucket getter. And um, with that said, I'm kind of having trouble with him. You know, I know the the guys on the No Ceilings podcast talked about like panic meter um, guys on an episode 
last week. And, you know, Wesley's a guy that they talked about. And, um, you know, to me, like his stock is rising. So I, I guess with their own personal boards, they were panicking. But he's a guy that is trending up right now. You know, his average cost was 27 and a half. The Athletic has him as high as 15. Um, ESPN has him at 24, Bleacher Report 23, Tankathon 41, Basketball News 30. We had him at 32 on no ceilings. Um, but he's this guy that I'm I'm struggling to know what to do with, but the guy's the guy's on fire right now, despite the fact that he had like a literally like a seven for sixty something four game stretch. But um have you caught any any Blake Wesley this year yet, Albert? I think I've seen like one game. I'll, I'll be totally honest. Oh, Blake Wesley's not been a guy that's been at the top of my priority list. Um, I know Nathan Draft Deeper absolutely loves him. Is head over heels for him. What I did watch Corey though, I, I I can't I can't lie. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to get there. Uh, at least where Nathan is, because I'm just not a big fan of like non shooters. Um, mm-hmm. That's a little harsh. I know that's a little harsh, but <clears throat> I'm just not. I, I haven't always been the biggest fan of these wings who can do stuff with the ball in their hands, but just can't really shoot. Um, that's just not my forte. Uh, sorry, not, not my taste. Um, I, I, not, I don't know. Like, as you mentioned, long, really lanky, a little skinny. Um, but at least from what I've seen, and once again, listen, guys, hear me out. I've only seen maybe one, maybe two games of his. So I'm not a Blake Wesley expert. But from what I saw, I definitely wasn't like, oh, sign me up. First round pick yeah. at all. Um, but at the same time, I trust guys like Draft Deeper. I trust, you know, people who have him higher. It's just not my taste. So I I do understand the intrigue with him and, and why he's rising up boards because I do think he's got like NBA shake and space creation ability. And um, I think that, you know, while he's skinny and he doesn't have like the NBA body now as a college player, you know, not a ton of people do. I think he's got a good frame and he's just got that NBA look to him. My problem is I think some people picture him as kind of like a point guard or in this primary role and I'm not there, but if you want to talk to me about taking him at around the, the right now, you know, he's listed at, at 25. Yeah. You could talk me into it because I can see him being the spark plug energy guy off, off the bench. You know, I, I don't think he's the next kind of DeJounte Murray who gets taken too late. Cause I, right. I liked his playmaking flashes a lot more. Um, but I think if you're, you're looking for Wesley to kind of run your second unit offense down the line, I can buy into that. And I think he could be a, a starter in the right context as well. So I'm not completely out. I I'm having trouble with him because he is typically a guy that I actually do like watching his play style. Um, but when I look at him as an NBA context and as a prospect, I do have a little bit more trouble with him, but, He's not the only guy that was unranked that has moved up into first round territory. And I know this is one of your guys at number 29 in the top 50 Auburn Tigers, Walker Kessler. Yeah. ESPN has him at 18 bleacher report has him at 48 tankathon has him at 23 basketball news has him at 34. The athletic has him at 31. No ceilings. We had him at 31. So making his way into the first round. And as you see with ESPN, having him all the way at 18, he's really starting to get some real legit, legit buzz. So uh, talk to me about Kessler. 
Uh, I mean, we're at a point now where there's even lottery buzz with Kessler. Now, I yes. wrote about Kessler and Mark Williams and Christian Coloco not very long ago, a couple of weeks back. And I-, I like Kessler a lot, man. I-, I think him with him, like he is a really savvy shot blocker. He does a really great job of baiting guards into testing him. Um, I-, I think I don't know if it's because he looks slow or he looks kind of like Boban, but you know he's he's a little bit more agile a uh, little a uh, bit more um a little lighter on his feet and so i think he does a good job of baiting guards and testing him at the rim um i i i just think like the size is great his feet are his feet are actually pretty good for his size as, as i mentioned again you know it's it's interesting to watch i think offensively now like when i wrote the article he was at like i don't know i think it was like 7 or 16% from 3 um, obviously, he's starting to take them a little <laughs> bit more now, and he's showing flashes. But I, I, I never think I, I don't think Walker will ever be like a legitimate floor spacer um, on the next level. But there is kind of like a tiny bit of a threat to it. it he's not like Mitchell Robinson, like pretending to take threes um, in the preseason and like I, I don't know, like in practice or whatever, and like never shooting them in game. Walker, I think, will take threes in the NBA. Just I don't think he'll ever be like a dead eye shooter. But with him, like I, you totally get it. Like the block percentages, the steal percentages, like his numbers overall. Outrageous. Like he had like a twelve block, twelve block game recently. You, you, you get it. You totally get it. Yeah. Um, I think for my taste, the lottery does feel a little high, dude. Yeah, no, I'm still not there with lottery. But you know, it's interesting. I, when I released my personal big board on my YouTube channel, uh, somebody was mad I didn't put Kessler. And, um, and I was like, all right, like, I get it. Like, you know, he, he hasn't been in my top 30 yet. And I, you know, I, I watched a lot of them today and, you know, I, I definitely am going to move him up the board, especially cause he's just been on fire lately and the stuff he's doing as a shot blocker is outrageous. But, uh, somebody was like, you know, try to picture him kind of like Brooke Lopez. And cause I was worried about his foot speed on the perimeter. And defensively, I kind of get it. You just a monstrous person who's going to protect the rim. And despite the fact that maybe he doesn't have the fastest feet, he's still going to have a positive impact because he is smart. He does have good timing. He'll cut off angles. So defensively, I was like, all right, you know what? I, I like that a little bit. Offensively, obviously, you know, Splash Mountain is a shooter now. I don't know if Kessler will ever get there. Like you said, he's starting to take him a little bit more. The shot's really slow, very, very slow. But Brooke wasn't a you know a a shooter. He wasn't a three point shooter um, early in his career. You know, he mainly was a guy who feasted in the post. He did have a, a smooth jumper though, and you know he's a good free throw shooter. But uh, so I don't think that Kessler has that Brooke Lopez offensive package to rely on like Brooke did. But I do think as you know. Uh, a shot blocker, I think that is helping me kind of seeing what he could provide. Now, do I see him as a starting level center in the league? Maybe in the right context? I don't know. So what? where do you take that kind of player? Because I, I still do struggle with the foot speed stuff. And, right. you know, if he's just going to – I don't know how versatile he'll be offensively. I know you highlighted some nice passing clips in, in your piece that you wrote for him a couple of weeks ago. But uh, he's another tricky one, but he's a guy that I'm – I I'm starting to get it more because now the it's it's a lot more consistent and the consistency is allowing you to kind of you know put his last year behind him and you know context and fit matters a lot. 
Now we covered this guy, this next guy, uh, on the pod a few weeks ago. AJ Griffin continues to rise up the board. We don't have to go super deep because we have, you know, we did an awesome episode with with Tommy D. But AJ was at fourteen on the January rankings, and he's top five now. Consensus has landed there. I I guess they they've seen enough. He's been he's still shooting almost fifty percent from three. Obviously, that's not going to translate to the league at fifty percent clip. But you could picture him being a, a floor spacer, a guy that's shifty off the bounce. ESPN moving up to five, and they early in the year were really tanking his draft stock because they had him all the way in the forties at one point. So right. he had one of the weirdest um, kind of fluctuations out of any prospect starting in as a top five guy moving all the way down to 40 and getting all the way back pretty quickly. So bleacher report six tankathon five basketball news has him at nine, the athletic at six, no ceilings at six. So um, he's the fifth spot, massive leap. Think he's going to continue to get some hype. I could, I think he's going to make his way into, you know, the, the top three, top four conversations pretty soon. Two other guys had a pretty big leap. Marjan Bochamp went from 20 to 13, and Ochai Agbaji went from 28 to 16. So Agbaji's starting to creep towards that lottery, and Bochamp is there. Who do you like better between those two as prospects? That's a damn, that's a tough question. That's actually a really hard question. Um, Marjan has the age advantage over him. Barely, um, though. Marjan yeah, that, that is Marjan true. Be You're right. You're right. You're right. right now, but he'll be 21. Offensively, I like Agbaji right now. Mm-hmm. Better shooter. Yeah. I like both though. Like I, I'm actually really high on Bochamp too. Like I like so, him. I, I like him in transition, even in the half court. I, I I haven't seen his numbers recently, but I like that he's not afraid to shoot. Not that he's some dead eye shooter yet, but he's not a non shooter. Yeah, he's not a non shooter. He's an aggressive player. I like him on the defensive side of the ball. But then again, I also really like Agbaji too. Like I, I, I love the shooting. Um, he's athletic. defensively too. So exactly, uh, athletic. I. This is tough, dude. I, I like both. I understand why they are where they are too. Like at thirteen and sixteen, because I think with Bochamp, like I don't know. You know, I, I saw somebody posted on Twitter today. They were like, why are people rating Bochamp like in the lottery? Doesn't he seem more like a fringe, you know, fifth starter type of guy? And I, I was thinking about it. And I, I think I see it in two ways. Like, as we mentioned on the on the pod earlier, it is a weak draft class. But also, like, I think Bochamp will be more than that. Like, I think the shooting will get better. And I think the stuff that he can do with the ball in his hands, not that he's like, he's not like the ultimate break you down type of guy, but he's like a really solid player that I think will get better from here on both, both ends. So maybe I'm just talking myself into Bochamp over Agbaji, but I love Agbaji too. So yeah. that's my non-answer, I guess. Um, I've been lucky enough to see both of them live and they both had really good showings when I was there. Uh, and Agbaji really popped against the comp. He was playing against Marjan, obviously. Like, you know, he's shooting worse, but he's shooting it from NBA distance, right? And like you said, it looks good. Um, he's had a really weird developmental path because, you know, he's playing like Juco and then now he's he in playing with the G League Ignite. And um, he's 
like finishing at a tremendous rate and you know he's playing against pro competition so it is tough i like both of them a lot i think either way you could you find positives regarding your point like as a fifth starter in a, a draft class like this and honestly in most draft classes like if you can get a starting level player at the tail end of the lottery or just outside of it i don't know that's probably a win you Agreed. know there's a lot of guys who don't like they'll they'll just be given starting spots but they're not giving starter level production so if you can actually get like a legitimate productive starter even if it's your fifth starter that's valuable and that's a good use of money because you're in the middle of the first round like the, the contracts aren't crazy um so i if that's bochamp's outcome that's fine uh you know like you can make the argument that mikhail bridges is what the fourth level starter on the suns and mikhail bridges is fucking awesome so it it depends yeah. on context like if bochamp is the fourth guy on um the fifth guy on like a really good team that's still a really valuable player so i'm in on both uh tari eason went from 26 to 17 jeremy suhan went from 32 to 22 max christie 31 to 23 and then um some of the other bigger guys christian braun from 40 to 32 justin lewis went from unlisted to 37 so a lot of newcomers rising pretty high up to the board bordering in that first round that means there's a lot of guys who have kind of fallen um and i think one of the guys who's taken the biggest hit from guys that weren't already dropping like sosa you know went from 29 to 42 but he's been dropping you know pretty much from the minute he stepped on the floor uh uzman jang went from 25 to 35 but he's been pretty bad and he actually it i'm surprised it took this long but jd davison went from 16 to 27 and i watched davison uh today and i'm really freaking confused man because i everyone's like seemingly completely out on him and he's still doing some stuff that I'm like, that's some NBA shit. And then you look at his numbers and you're like, all right, they're 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 not like popping off the screen, but he's a guy that like is coming off the bench and he is kind of filling it up when you extrapolate his numbers out. And he's had some pretty nice moments against legit competition. So I get that he's not bringing the consistency that you want to see. But if you're going to take a chance on a guy, I don't know. Like, I like I like some of the passes he makes. I know some of the, you know, he, he could be a little turnover prone or whatever. But, like, I like some of the reads that he's able to make. It's not like he's turning it over just trying to hit the roll man. Like, you know, if he's making some weak side hits. I don't mind him being ambitious and, and turning it over a little bit. But even so, like, he's got a really high turnover. Like, his turnover percentage, I think, is like 26, something like that, which is not great. But his assist percentage is like 28, 29, which is pretty good. He's rebounding at a really high rate. I like his shot diet. He's been really efficient this year. I, I'm having trouble understanding why he's kind of falling all of a sudden. And at the same time, I was going through my board, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with him. I need to come back to this. But I'm not nearly as out on Davison, I think, as some other people are. And his stock is trending the wrong way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Well, Corey, I, I'm definitely, I'm, I'll definitely say, like, I'm definitely not at your level. No, I, I'm just gonna say I'm not with you. I think with mm-hmm. Davison, I think for me, I think it's a matter of time, maybe with him. Like, I would like to see him. I don't know if this is possible or he, if he'll even consider it, but why not go back to school next year? I mean, I, I, I imagine Quinn Early won't be there, right? Um, is Shackelford still going to be there? I'm not sure. But maybe go back to Alabama and kind of spread your wings a little bit more next year. All the things that you're talking about, I'm not going to I'm not gonna disagree with you on them. And maybe he gets another chance to kind of show the country and show the world what he can do on a team where he's not behind those two guys is what I'm thinking right now. But um, I don't know. For me, like whatever I've watched him, like he's never – Maybe once again, Corey, like I, I might just be looking at him through the wrong lens, but the passing, I will agree with you, but like the shooting stuff too, like I don't love the jump shot when I see it um, and, and the turnovers. I do agree with you on that, but I, I really do wonder, maybe he will be one of those guys who really benefit going back like a Matherin or an Okabaji or whatever. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think that if you, any good player is going to look better if they stay and go to college because you understand what you're up against competition wise. You're used to the speed of the game. You know what you have to improve on. But I think that Davison is a guy that's going to get into workouts because I actually don't mind his shot. I know he's at like 32% from three this year, but I don't know. It. I kind of, I don't mind the release too much. There are some things to clean up, but it's far, far from broken. And I think he's pretty good around the rim as a finisher because he's strong and he's dumb athletic. Um, he gets to the line at a decent rate. Like, I don't know. There's a, there for me, like, I'm not like, Hey, we should put him in the lottery, but like Kenny Chandler, who's also dropping, he went from 15 to 21. What's like the selling point to have Chandler at 21 and Davison at 27. Like, what is Kennedy Chandler at the next level offering more than what J.D. Davison can can offer you? He's not a good shooter. He's smaller. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to see, and I know this isn't a point guard, good point guard class in general. So I'm just trying to figure out, like, I what's the, the disconnect with Davison versus some of these other prospects? Although a lot of people are moving Chandler out of their, you know, first round as well so it's not like yeah I, I just feel like i'm the wrong person to ask just because <laughs> i have i have chandler at 39 yeah um and jd davis in 49 so like i i just yeah like i'm not and there's not a lot of either. once right. you get to that point it's not like a lot of separation between prospects right correct correct yeah, yeah so i, I guess hard. i'm just asking a more like question out to the ether like i i don't mm. know like if chandler's still getting a little bit of the benefit of the doubt Mm. I'm struggling to see why Davison isn't getting that same benefit. You know what it might be, Corey? I think like when you watch the two guys at face value, it feels like Kennedy Chandler is more of a pure point guard. Maybe just like if you just watch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, On the surface, that might be what it is, but But I'm with you on the passing with Davison too. To that that point though, I actually kind of think that's a knock against Chandler. Oh, considering where the league is going? Because at the college level, sure. Like, I get it. Yeah. If you're, I want Chandler at the college level if I'm trying to win a game. But where the league's going, like, Davison's – I'm not really looking at him as a guy that's going to potentially, like, all right, go be De'Aaron Fox. Like, I don't think that's a thing. 
But I look at some of the things he's good at. Like he's a killer rebounder and he's a guy that's going to be able to get rebounds in the NBA where it's like easier for guards to get rebounds, um, grab and go, play fast, be in transition. I just think there's a role for him in the NBA that maybe we don't get to see in college. And I'm not saying he's going to be good right away next year, but like, I think teams are going to bet on the athlete that he is with some of the raw skills. And then seeing that, like when he is a shooter, I think it looks better when he's playing as a guy who's playing off the catch and shooting off the catch. So like in the right situation where he's playing with a good guy who can create, like, I don't know. I think he could be pretty versatile. And I think, I think Jay Davison might be one of these guys now where it gets to a certain point. You're just like, there's too much value here. And maybe we're overthinking a little bit of, of what we're seeing. I don't know. Maybe that, that's not, my Davison rant. That's my, yeah, Davison no, rant. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you, dude. I, I think just where I'm at is like, I think I look at the point guard class overall and I'm just like, not really overwhelmed by any of them. Like I know Mike no. miles. Um, sorry. Give me one second. I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> Elephant. Uh, Ooh, sorry about that. Um, no, but even like a guy like Mike Miles, he creeped into my big board and like uh, Iverson Molinar. Like, I think all these guys have strengths and there's a yeah. reason why they're on our big boards. But I don't know, like the class overall, like other than Ivy and even Ivy, people will argue different things. Like, is he a true number one? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I just, yeah, it, it's a tough class for the point guards. And so I get why, like my headspace is where it is with, with Davison. But I, I'm not going to fight you on what you said, Corey. I, I'm kind of with you. I just he's there on my board at 49 right now, and it's hard for me to think otherwise. Right, at, at least right now. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like my last board, I'm pretty sure I had Davison like lower than what he is on the consensus draft rankings. And I'm looking at him like I'd probably rather take this guy than Davison. But the more I think about it, I'm just trying to like it depends what the context is, what the situation, I guess. I don't know. It's something that I, I need to ponder more. Um, some other guys that are starting to fall a little bit, they were early risers and I think they're starting to regress to the mean, which makes a little more sense. Kendall Brown went from six and now he's at 14. Uh, and Trevor Keels went from 18 to 24. So I think both of those guys, came out had some big games right started getting feeling the buzz everybody's getting excited draft season's back and now we're in the middle of the grind people know who they are and those kind of inconsistencies and struggles are starting to shine through a little bit more so um we covered brown early right and i gotta go back and listen to it to see where i was at with him because I, I i liked him but i i'm I'm sure I was a little bit weary of, of some of the buzz. Mm -hmm. Um, have you wavered on Kendall Brown at all? Oh, for sure. I, I'm the boat is rocking. Um, is how I feel not to say, <laughs> not to say that I'm out on Kendall Brown, but like, I'm at a point, Corey people. Hey, hate me all you want. I don't care. I like the hatred. I'm like starting to lean towards his teammate a little bit. Um, oh, I'm, I'm definitely this there. kid. Dude, this kid, Suhan, I, Sohan, Suhan, whatever, Suhan. the <laughs> Polish, so the Chan. next Polish hammer. I, I like this dude, man. Like, he. Let's 
offensive ceiling, I think there's something there, and he could what in terms of what he can become. Um, I'm I'm kind of big time in on Suhan, and with Brown, like the concern, like I don't remember our episode at all, but I'm sure we talked about <laughs> the shooting and stuff. And I I know Rucker yeah. is gonna hate this because of how much he loves Kendall Brown, but I've got some real questions with him, and I'm I'm. I'm kind of way more in on Suha and now than I was on than I am on Kendall Brown. Yeah, I have I have Suhan at 14 and uh I got Kendall Brown pretty uh, he's in my second round right now. And wow. I, I, yeah, and just cuz like I know Kendall Brown's going to outperform the draft where whatever spot I inevitably have him. I'm not saying that there's that many people that I think are going to have better NBA careers. It's just if I'm playing the lottery game and playing the odds, like is he like I kind of know what he's going to be and he'll he'll be effective. He'll help teams out. I'm not sure if he doesn't get that aggressiveness to be a shooter. I'm not sure what what he ultimately is in the NBA. Is he a rotation player? I don't know. He's not like a super, super impactful defender. I don't know. There, I have questions uh, about him, but you're starting to see him drop a little bit. And I think, you know, he's because of that athleticism. I think people are still willing to buy in a little bit. Uh, I know that those, both of those guys are Rutgers dudes, Keels and Kendall Brown. Those are like two of his favorite prospects. Um, <laughs> let's let's finish out with a. There's one more guy who we also did an episode with, uh, titled Houston. Do we have a problem? Caleb Houston's drop continues. He went from 21 to 31 mm-hmm. in the rankings. I mean, what's going to go on with Houston? Is is this a kid who is going to go back to school? Is he going to go into workouts, shoot the shit out of the ball? NBA teams are going to be like, all right, we, we've seen what he looks like at Montverde. We saw what he looked like at FIBA. Let's throw this season away. Like, I'm pretty interested in, in Houston's future here because it, it can go a number of directions. Yeah. Um, to be honest, Corey, um, you like cut out there. So like, I didn't catch most of what you said, but I have a feeling okay. uh, I, I know what you said with Houston. Cause with Houston, man, like, I don't know, like NBA teams, when you're looking at a guy like Caleb Houston, like I, I it, it's sad for me. I like, I'm so disappointed in his season because we had such high hopes for him coming into the season after like the U19 stuff, what he did for Canada and like coming into this Michigan team. We thought we, we had all this excitement about him and it's just not panning out that way. But Corey, I, I think I, I, I haven't looked at him re- closely recently, but I think he's shooting the ball better. He's had a, you know, a good stretch of games where he's getting a little bit better, but I, I get it, man. Like it, it's been a weird season for him in Michigan. Like we never ever thought of him as like a plus plus athlete. And so like when the shot wasn't falling and he wasn't really doing much with the ball in his hands, like they you get why his stock is falling a little bit here. But I do wonder, like, hey, you mentioned before with like JD Davison, you put Houston in the gym and you just let him shoot the hell out of the ball. I wonder how NBA teams start to feel with the size. Um and he does have some ball skills, of course. Uh, and they start watching the U19 tape with him in Canada, they start feeling a different way, right? So yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch to see how he finishes out the season. Like, if he finishes out on a high, then he gets into a gym and he starts impressing GMs. Things could definitely, like, there could be a great, crazy plot twist here. But for now, it's been kind of a rough go at it. It has. And I feel like Max Christie has taken a little of his shine. Oh, big time. Right, like... Yeah, I personally like I just like how Christie moves 
a little bit more. I like his body a little bit more. I think I even like his release a little bit more. And don't be wrong, Houston's got a pretty release too. Um, but if so, if you're a team early on, like I'd much rather just take the chance on Christie, and I think his ball skills are a little more fluid. But Houston's interesting because you know just I, he's shooting it okay. He's in, obviously the inconsistencies are there. Right. He's not really doing much else besides shooting it from deep all that well. But like the size, the he's shown passing flashes. There's something there. There's no doubt that he'll play in the NBA. I just I wonder if he is one of these guys like you know Memphis and Zaire Williams. Like they threw him to the fire regardless of his bad college season because of his pedigree from high school. And, you know, he's been better than I expected him to be this year. Um, he hasn't been good. You know, I think Memphis is winning, to, you know, in spite of him being out there. Uh, but I think he's getting valuable minutes and that eventually maybe, you know, he, he is in a role with John Morant, uh, with Desmond Bain, you know, he where he can just, he doesn't have much pressure to have to be a shot creator. He can just spot up and and shoot and get out in transition and do simple things. I wonder if a team kind of looks at Houston the same way. Like, let's not make him do anything crazy. Let's let him play defense, shoot the ball, keep it moving, and we'll bet on the other stuff. And I don't know if that would be a bad bet. I think that would be a decent I think that could be a good enough bet. So yeah. um I think those are the all the big names that have kind of moved. Obviously guys fluctuate spots here and there, but these were the biggest risers and fallers of, of this draft update. Uh, if you want to see the rest of the top 50, we released it last week um, at no ceilings at substack.com. So, uh, but you can click right at the top uh, link, just find the the little draft bar, click on it and you'll see the latest update to, to see how all the mainstream boards, you know, ESPN, the athletic, Tankathon, Bleacher Report, all those guys, including No Ceilings, um, in our big board, how we rated them and how they've rated out amongst consensus. So make sure you go do that. And um, all right, Albert, tell the people where they could find you. Well, sorry, actually, Corey, if I can, there was one prospect that I wanted to ask you about because surprisingly, sure. we haven't covered him. I think you and I are huge fans of his. And like oddly, I, and I think it's because he's been covered so much on our site that you and I, I think we just felt like we don't need to talk about him too much because so many other people have talked about it. And it was like early in the season. Mm. Can we talk about Tari Eason? Because like we were oh, talk- yeah. talking about, because we were talking about like Suhan and Kendall Brown and Agbaji and Bochamp and whatever. I don't think we've talked about Eason at all. And Eason is a guy that I'm really starting to fall in love with. And like initially I had a lot of reservations and I almost like, I almost didn't want to like him. It was this weird thing that I had going in my head. I'm like, ah, oh, this guy can't shoot. He's overrated, blah, blah, blah. People Twitter's going crazy over him for no reason. But <laughs> the more I watch him, the more I like him. Um, I think defensively, he's going to be such a versatile defender on the next level. And then he's like quietly starting to shoot the ball really well recently mm-hmm. from three. So I'm like, what is this guy going to be? Because I'm really starting to fall in love with him. So wanted to hear you talk about it because I think I just feel like we haven't talked about him at all. Yeah, I think we should probably cover him fairly soon. I so Eason, yeah, he he went from twenty six to seventeen. He's been rising the the whole the whole season. I think the only 
outlet that hasn't really bought in all the way yet is ESPN, and they're you know I think they're being patient with him. But I covered him. I wrote about him a little bit in a piece I did um, called "What Would Masai Do?" Looking for prospects that kind of fit that mold for the Raptors, which is like six eight, six nine, long, rangy, kind of multi skilled, toolsy wings. And he was one of the guys I covered. It was him, Suhan, who we mentioned that we liked, uh, Harrison Ingram, who just had a really killer game uh, pretty recently, passing the ball and shooting it, who I, I really like Harrison Ingram a lot too, um, and then Justin Lewis. But with Tari Eason, he, you cannot deny how impactful he's been this year. Like his advanced numbers are crazy. He's got like a 6% uh, block rate, 4% steal rate, um, maybe I'm reversing that, but like he's he's killing it. He's got a, a 33 per. His his he's really efficient. Um, true shooting over 60 doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, the dude. The only thing he hasn't really he isn't really is a playmaker. But mm-hmm. he's kind of like his BPM is 15.6 as I'm reading this. I mean he has been dominating and he's playing the sec he's coming off the bench he is a little old for a sophomore um i think that if he was gonna be you know 19 something like that i think he would we'd see him have one of those patrick williams kind of rises i love the kid's game i i have him in the lottery and uh i think he's a guy who could kind of keep climbing for me just because i think he's perfect for the modern nba and i i think he's got a safe floor because he's going to be able to defend so many positions and get out transition finish. And if the shot comes along, you're talking about a, a really good bet. So I like Eason a lot, man. Dude, I mean, and also like after all the numbers you gave us also, I want to mention he's, he's 77% from the free throw line, which is not a yeah. bad number at all. And he's all the no. way up to 35% from three now. So I, I look at this guy and you see, as you mentioned, right, defensively, the impact that he has, the versatility that he has, the way that he has this like aggression to him and the length that he has. And then offensively, if he's going to be like this nice little complimentary piece, who's going to be able to eventually shoot 80% from the free throw line and 35 to 37% from three, that's a really exciting piece for you to grab in the late lottery and late teens. So right now I have him on my board at, I believe, 16 he may end up higher for me. So I, I just, I, I really like him a lot. And um, I just feel like we haven't covered him at all in the pod. So I wanted to mention that. Yeah, we'll do a, I think he's, he'll be a good guy to do a full episode on fairly yeah. soon. Um, yeah. Because he's a, he's a hot name in draft circles. And he, I think he deservingly so in this draft where there's a lot of question marks. I think he's a little bit safer um, in, in what he's done uh, with his production. So, all right, um, that's your draft stock update for uh, for February. So make sure uh, to stay locked in because there's going to be more big board updates every single month, and we're going to keep updating the draft stock. Um, all right, Albert, let okay. the people know where they could find you on the web. <laughs> uh, you could find me at Alberto Gim. You could find me at GTG NBA. You could find me at No Ceilings. You could find me confusing uh, the last names of Tyler Rucker and Tyler Metcalf. You could find me all over the place. Um, but uh, yeah, this was a fun one, dude. I feel like it's good when we mix things up and have these random episodes that are not yeah. you know, prospect focused, but it, it, this was fun. 100% and uh we'll 
we'll keep doing these every month. So, all right, guys, you can find me at Corey Teleba on Twitter, uh, the NBA Draft Dude on YouTube. And um, as always, make sure you subscribe to noceilings.substack.com for free NBA Draft content written daily, delivered directly to your inbox. And make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the Draft Act NBA Draft Podcast everywhere podcasts are available. Shoot us a, a five-star rating. That would be dope. Um, we'll be back next week. Until that time, we are out. Peace.